Welcome to the Set of the Crime, your weekly Florida and federal criminal case law update podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Lesnetsky of Short Scene Lesnetsky and Guy. And each week, I'm going to release one episode reviewing the previous week's Florida DCA and Florida Supreme Court decisions, and one episode reviewing the previous week's 11th Circuit Court of Appeals and U.S. Supreme Court decisions. So whether you're on your way to court, taking a jog, or otherwise have some time to spare, join me each week to get your dose of the latest criminal case opinions. Welcome back to the site of the crime. We are talking about the one federal 11th Circuit criminal case that uh, came out this week that has any meat on the bone. There are several cases that came out that were uh, Anders' brief cases or 2255 cases. Um, pretty slow week in the 11th Circuit. But the one case we're going to talk about today is a mega case, huge, um, really remarkable decision. It's called the United States v. Eugene Jackson. Uh, It's 11th Circuit published decision that was released December 13th, 2022. And if this case sounds familiar, it's because it is. Uh, The 11th Circuit in a three-judge panel released uh, a decision in Eugene Jackson back in June. And they unbelievably uh, vacated that opinion. And six months later, uh, December 13th, they uh, made a complete 180-degree turn uh, and reversed themselves and their decision. Uh, There was no intervening case law uh, that they talked about, no new legislation that affected this decision. Uh, It really appears that the new decision was more of an ends justifies the means uh, reasoning than anything else. But um, I want to jump into um, both decisions, get into the uh, nuts and bolts, and um, we'll go through the analysis in the June decision and then the complete uh, different analysis in the uh, December decision. So just to give you a flair of the uh, differences between the two opinions, I wanted to uh, read the holding from each one. So back in June, the three-judge panel uh, wrote, We hold that due process fair notice considerations require us to apply the version of the Controlled Substance Act schedules in place when the defendant committed the federal uh, firearm possession offense for which he is being sentenced. So in the June decision, they uh, determined that due process fair notice required them, required them to determine that the version of the Controlled Substances Act schedules in place when the defendant committed the new federal firearm possession offense uh, had to be considered. But then six months later, their holding was completely different. In Eugene Jackson, uh, we'll call it Eugene Jackson 2, the court held, we hold, that the Supreme Court's reasoning in McNeil v. United States requires us to conclude that ACCA's serious drug offense definition incorporates the version of the controlled substances list in effect when the defendant was convicted of his prior state drug offense. So complete one, 180. Uh, in the second decision, they rely on McNeil, but they analyze McNeil in the first decision too. 
So there was no change other than the end result here. So let's talk a little bit about the uh, Eugene Jackson 1 that was released back in uh, June. So the 11th Circuit, uh, and this decision was written by Judge Rosenbaum, and Judge uh, Pryor and Judge Carnes were the other two judges on the panel. Uh, and same thing for Eugene Jackson, too. It was Judge Rosenbaum who wrote the decision, and it was Judge Pryor and Judge Carnes uh, as well on that second decision. So they started in Eugene Jackson 1 talking about the Fifth Amendment and due process and how the Fifth Amendment requires that the government and criminal laws give ordinary people fair notice of conduct um, that the government is going to punish. And fair notice allows the ordinary citizen to conform his or her conduct to that law. So these cases involve the Armed Career Criminal Act. And under the Armed Career Criminal Act, where a person uh, uh, commits a federal uh, possession of a firearm by convicted felon offense, and they have at least three prior convictions for a violent felony or a serious drug offense, then they're subject to a 15-year minimal mandatory. So what is a ser- prior serious drug offense? So if it was a, a conviction under you know, Florida law for uh, trafficking or possession with intent to sell or um, some other Florida conviction, uh, does that qualify as a predicate offense for ACCA purposes? And in some cases, the uh, Controlled Substance Act uh, defines a substance in one way, and the state statute defines that substance in a more narrow way. So if the state conviction, the state statute has a definition of cocaine or marijuana that is broader than the federal definition of cocaine or marijuana, then that uh, prior conviction may not be able to serve as a predicate offense for ACCA purposes. So in this case, the um, the prior state conviction was for uh, a co- cocaine uh, offense. And back when Mr. Jackson obtained these uh, convictions, he had two convictions, the definition of cocaine in both uh, Florida and under the federal definition included the substance ioflupane. And I probably butchered that, uh, that word. Uh, it's I-O-F-L-U-P-A-N-E. But it turned out that uh, ioflupane is potentially uh, valuable when diagnosing Parkinson's disease. So ioflupane was decriminalized under both Florida law and federal law after Mr. Jackson obtained his convictions uh, that were used as the predicate offenses for his ACCA purposes in federal court. So the issue here is when do we look to determine whether the underlying controlled substance offense was actually involving a controlled substance. Do we look at the, uh, the schedules, the drug schedules at the time the person obtained the state conviction? Or do we look at the drug schedules at the time the person 
committed the offense of possession of a firearm by a convicted felon uh, in federal court. So the the court in Jackson 1 um, started with McNeil, which it would later rely on in Jackson 2. And McNeil stated that a previous conviction is a backward-looking term that requires us to consult the law that applied at the time of the conviction. So the court turned to the elements of Section 893.13, which was the Florida statute that Mr. Jackson was originally convicted of, and he was convicted in 1998 and in 2004. So under the the categorical approach and the modified categorical approach, which we're not going to get into too much here, but the court doesn't look at the police report or what uh, Mr. Jackson is actually accused of doing. Instead, it looks to the statute and the statute alone. And in uh, Guillen v. U.S. Attorney General, the uh, 11th Circuit held that the different substances listed are different elements. So the court can go into the record of conviction and determine what substance uh, the defendant was convicted of. So was it cocaine or was it marijuana um, or some other substance? But when you're talking about the same category of substance, then that is considered an alternate means. So for cocaine, uh, under Florida's schedule, it lists cocaine or echonine, including any of their stereoisomers and any salt, compound, derivative, or preparation of cocaine or echonine. That description also includes ioflupine. So we can't go in and look and determine whether a person was convicted of cocaine or echonine or ioflupine because those are all just uh, alternative means of... um, the same category of controlled substance. So ioflupane was expressly exempted from the Florida schedules on July 1st, 2017. And this was before Mr. Jackson obtained his federal possession of a firearm by convicted felon offense, um, but it was after uh, he obtained his two prior state uh, cocaine offenses. So the 11th Circuit had to determine whether Mr. Jackson's prior cocaine convictions involved a controlled substance. And as we discussed, they used the categorical approach. And under the categorical approach, the court must presume that Mr. Jackson committed the least of the acts criminalized in the statute. So in this case, they have to assume that Mr. Jackson sold and possessed with intent to sell ioflupane. And it's interesting here because the court uh, actually looked at prior case law, including McNeil, and specifically uh, found that McNeil did not require the conclusion that Jackson's prior cocaine-related convictions qualify as serious drug offenses. Uh, But then they went on to change their minds in Eugene Jackson 2. Here in Eugene Jackson 1, the court um, looked at McNeil and decided that they must consider the offense under state law as it existed at the time of that prior state conviction. But the court in Eugene Jackson 1 found that 
McNeil only holds that the elements of the state offense of conviction are locked in at the time of that conviction, but that McNeil did not hold that ACCA's own criteria for deeming a previous conviction with those locked-in characteristics to be a serious drug offense are themselves also locked in as of the time of the previous conviction. So they uh, specifically found that McNeil uh, did not preclude them from determining what this panel believed was the only conclusion that would give a citizen fair notice uh, that their prior conviction would qualify for armed career criminal purposes. So that was the decision in, in Eugene Jackson 1. Uh, it was going to be the law of the land. But six uh, months later, the three-panel court came out with Eugene Jackson 2. And under Eugene Jackson 2, they held that the Supreme Court's reasoning in McNeil now, for some reason, requires them to conclude that the Armed Career Criminal Act's serious drug offense definition incorporates the version of the controlled substances list in effect when the defendant was convicted of his prior state drug offense, not when he obtained the new possession of a firearm by a convicted felon uh, charge. What's interesting here in Eugene Jackson 2 is that there's no reference, no mention of the prior decision. There is no distinguishing between their decision there and their new decision. Uh, there's simply just a completely different um, analysis. And, uh, you know, based on the same case law and everything, they just come to a different conclusion. So the court in Eugene Jackson 2 dug into the McNeil case where the Supreme Court was looking at the Armed Career Criminal Act's third uh, criteria, which requires that the prior state conviction have a maximum term of imprisonment of 10 years or more. So what happens if the at the time the defendant obtained the prior uh, conviction, the maximum penalty was more than 10 years, but at the time the defendant obtains the new federal possession of a firearm by convicted felon offense, the state law had changed and now the maximum was less than 10 years. Well, in that context, the Supreme Court determined that the plain text of the statute requires the court to uh, look backwards. And they looked at the term previous convictions and determined that it necessarily calls for a backward-looking look inquiry and shows that the Armed Career Criminal Act is concerned with convictions that has, have already occurred. So in that context, the Supreme Court determined that you don't look at the maximum possible penalty for that state conviction at the time the person obtains the new federal possession of a firearm by a convicted felon uh, charge, but you look at what it was at the time that that defendant was convicted in state court. But McNeil didn't address the second criteria uh, for the Armed Career Criminal Act, which is whether the prior offense was a controlled substance offense. And what does that mean? In Eugene Jackson 2, the court looked at the, um, the Armed Career Criminal Act definition of a violent, a violent felony, 
Remember, if you have three prior convictions, either for a violent felony or for a um, prior controlled substance offense, uh, then you qualify as an armed career criminal. So they looked at the definition of violent felony, and they determined that there was present tense used in that definition. So ACCA defines violent felony in part as a crime that has an element, the use, attempted use, or threatened use of physical force against the person of another, or is burglary, arson, or extortion, uh, and so on, so on. So the court here found that despite using the present tense in that definition, that we look back to the version of the state law that the defendant was actually convicted of violating. So the court is saying that under McNeil, the backward-looking inquiry governs ACCA's violent uh, felony definition completely. So similarly, it should uh, control the, the controlled substance definition as well. So up to this point, we really don't have any uh, analysis as to why the, ju- the court changed its mind and decided to uh, just completely flip its decision. Um, but about uh, 22 pages into the decision, uh, I think we start to get a look behind the curtain. Because the court talks about how um, they're concerned that their first decision would wipe away all of these state convictions for ACCA purposes. And, um, you know, I'll I'll read one quote from the decision uh, where the court said, if we instead read ACCA's state serious drug offense definition to incorporate the federal drug schedules in effect at the time a defendant committed the firearm offense, the state drug convictions would be erased or disappear for ACCA purposes. Um, and now the court says, well, that's an impermissible result under McNeil. Um, but McNeil was in place when they reached that first decision. So something now changed their minds. And uh, I think it is pretty clear that after that first decision, they now realized, hey, there's going to be a whole lot of people with a whole lot of convictions, prior convictions that, uh, were Armed Career Criminal uh, Act eligible, but are not going to be anymore. And under the court's view here in Eugene Jackson 2, they believe that that is contrary to Congress's intent. As for the due process fair notice argument, in Eugene Jackson 1, uh, the court determined that uh, due process required that decision. And then in uh, Eugene Jackson 2, Uh, the court came to the complete opposite decision and held that a defendant is charged with knowing that they continue to qualify even if the controlled substance involved in their prior federal drug conviction no longer was on the federal drug schedules. Here the court uh, determined that the Armed Career Criminal Act term previous convictions puts a defendant on notice when he is convicted of a drug offense for conduct involving a controlled substance that at that time appears on the federal schedules that his conviction qualifies as a serious drug offense under ACCA. And despite the argument that if Congress intended to incorporate the version of the federal drug schedules in effect at the time of a defendant's prior state drug offense, then convictions that predate the federal drug schedules would not qualify as ACCA predicates. The uh, court here 
determined that even if a law produces a result that may seem odd, that oddity does not render the law absurd. Um, and now finds that their decision in Eugene Jackson uh, is required under the plain meaning of that ACCA's text. So uh, the court held that Section 924E2A2 incorporates the version of the federal drug schedules in effect when a defendant was convicted of his prior state drug offense. It is a little difficult to understand how an ordinary citizen is going to be able to have fair notice of what convictions qualify for Armed Career Criminal Act purposes when the 11th Circuit comes out with two completely opposite decisions related to that issue in a matter of six months. So Judge Rosenbaum did uh, recognize the uh, problems with the Armed Career Criminal Act definition and has urged, uh, in a concurring opinion, uh, Congress to consider amending the statute to incorporate the version of the controlled substances list in effect when the defendant commits the federal firearm offense. So under Eugene Jackson 2, a whole lot more people are going to qualify as armed career criminals. Uh, and if they had a prior state uh, controlled substance offense where the uh, controlled substance later was removed or descheduled from the Contr Controlled Substance Act, either in the state or under the federal definition, uh, it's still going to qualify as a predicate uh, ACCA conviction. So case affirmed. And that's a wrap. I'm your host, Jeremy Lesnetsky with Shorstein, Lesnetsky & Guyon. And this was another episode of the Site of the Crime podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please hit the like button. And if you'd like to keep up to date on all the latest criminal law cases, subscribe to the Site of the Crime. And if you like the show, please review us. This will help your colleagues find us, and they too can stay up to date. Each week, we'll release separate Florida and federal criminal law episodes with the previous week's court opinions. Look in the episode description for timestamps for each case in each jurisdiction. Thanks for joining us at the site of the crime.